Friends, if you have your Bibles, please open with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. This is a sermon that I've entitled, A Pastoral Prayer. A Pastoral Prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 11 through 13. If you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word. As Pastor Darrell says often, Paul writes and God speaks. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Pray with me, please. Lord, this is the very word of the living God. Infallible and inerrant, inspired by you. May it go forth and not return unto thee void as you promised that it would. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. A diary. Think about a diary. You know, for many people, a diary is the place where you pour out your heart. Maybe you have a diary in your bedroom, maybe next to your bed, or somewhere in your room that you keep. If you do, you might be the person who decides to share your innermost thoughts, your deepest longings, Inside your diary. You know, friends, as we study 1 Thessalonians and as we zoom in on chapters 2 and 3, we find that the Apostle Paul, who was the original pastor of the church at Thessalonica, we find that Paul in this text is doing what you do in a diary. He's pouring out his heart. He's sharing his innermost thoughts with his congregation at Thessalonica. Did you know as you, as you study and you research chapters 2 and 3 of 1 Thessalonians, you find that many, many commentators call these two chapters the diary of a pastor's heart. Let's think about why this would be so. Let's remember the context of this book. Back in Acts chapter 17, we started this book, we read Acts 17, and we found that Paul started this church in Thessalonica, but he was only there a very short period of time. He was driven out because of severe persecution. But after he and Silas and Timothy reached Corinth, he decided to pick up his pen and, and write this dear church a letter. And this was a letter of love. He was pouring out his heart to his congregation. Let's review and look back at chapters 2 and 3 and find some of the main pieces of Paul's diary to the Thessalonians. Do you realize in chapter 2 he poured his heart out so much that he called himself like a, like a nursing mother who loves the child. And as the pastor, he was like this nursing mother towards his congregation. In chapter 2, he called himself a father who wanted to edify and encourage his son, who was the church. 
we learn the verb torn away. Paul felt torn away. It's that, and the word picture behind that was, was a mother and father being ripped from his or her child. That's the way Paul felt towards the Thessalonians, that he had been torn away from them. And that he desired to see them face to face. You see his deepest longings. He said in chapter 2, he actually tried to go back to them, but Satan hindered him. So in chapter 3, he said, I did the next best thing. When I couldn't come to you, I took my, my best man, Timothy, and I sent him to you. And Timothy has now come back and reported to me this wonderful, amazing report of your faith, dear Thessalonians. And my heart is overjoyed because of that. And Daryl taught us last week how Paul continued to pour his heart out. Daryl said that Dr. Paul shared his triad of his pastoral practice, that, that Paul chased them, checked on them, and cherished them. Friends, when you hear a description like this, you see that this is the diary of a pastor's heart towards his congregation. And as Paul comes to the end of this diary section of chapter 3, he has one more thing to do in the diary. And that is to pray for his congregation. Paul wasn't going to close the diary until he prayed for his congregation. Friends, in verses 11, 12, 13 of this third chapter, what you have here is a pastoral prayer. You have Pastor Paul praying this beautiful prayer for his congregation to close this diary section. Friends, this prayer has three parts, and it's part of it's your outline. If you look on the back of your bulletin, you see the three parts of this pastoral prayer. First of all, it's a prayer for direction. Secondly, it's a prayer for love. And third and finally, it's a prayer for holiness. Friends, as a congregation, let's walk through Pastor Paul's prayer for his congregation. Look back with me at verse 11, because this is the prayer for direction. Paul says, Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. There it is. God, may you direct our way to you, dear Thessalonians. Okay. Friends, as we think back and as we study the life of the Apostle Paul, we find that when Paul prays to God, God gives him at least three different types of answers to his prayers. Let's talk about those three real quick. The first answer is yes. Paul prays to God for something, asks him for something. God says yes. What's an example of that? Acts 13. The Apostle Paul prayed to go on a missionary journey. And God said, yes, I want you not even to go on just one missionary journey. I want you to go on three missionary journeys. God's answer was, yes, Paul, go preach, go teach, go establish churches. But I want you to know that there's other times that God didn't say yes. In fact, there's a second answer that God gives Paul. And the, that answer is, Change your plans. God, I ask you for something. God says, 
change your plans. I want you to go a different way. We see that in Acts 16. In Acts 16, Paul tried to go to Bithynia. But you know what God says? No, I'm going to change your direction. I don't want you to go to Bithynia. I want you to shift this way. I want you to go to Troas. God said, change your plans. Go a different direction. But the third thing God told Paul is no. No. We see this most clearly in this book, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul said, I want to go back to Thessalonica. I want to visit you, the people of Thessalonica. And God said, no. God closed the door. Why? Well, this text says that God actually allowed Satan to hinder Paul, and God used that in his sovereignty to say, no. Even though Paul tried to go back, he had his own efforts. God closed the door and said no. Friends, let's think about something in our own lives. What is your response to God when God says to you, yes, change your plans, and from time to time, no? You know, the yes is kind of easy to deal with, isn't it? Yes, we sort of raise our hands and say, praise God, and man, we move on. That door is open. We walk through it. Yes. But when God says, change your plans, or when God says no, sometimes that's just hard for us to deal with. Sometimes that can be frustrating. And we ask ourselves, what are we to do? What are we to do when God says, change your plans, or God says, no? Friends, this text teaches us that when God says, change your plans, or no, Paul says that we are to ask God for direction. You saw it in the text. We should ask God for direction. Verse 11 says, may God direct our way to you. The door's been closed. God said no. Well, my next prayer, Paul says, God May you, may you direct my way back to you. Okay. So how would this New Testament story apply to your current life here in 2020? Friends, I know that right now for many of you, this is a frustrating and a confusing and an anxious time. And I'll guarantee you that Paul was probably anxious and frustrated himself when God told him no. He said he tried over and over to go back to Thessalonica, but God told him no as well. And maybe right now in your life, God is saying, change your plans, or God is saying no right now in your life, maybe with your job, maybe with your family life. Maybe some of you for your college choice, maybe your 401k, your retirement funds have changed their plans and you're wondering how to deal with that. I know that many of you right now are burdened and grieved in the area of racial harmony. I know that many of us are fearful and anxious 
in dealing with the coronavirus, friends, in times like these, the Bible teaches us to pray to God and ask Him to direct our way. Proverbs 16.9 says, in, a, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. That means from time to time, friends, we decide this is the way we want to go, but God says to us, change your plans. God says to us, no. God wants us to go a different way. William Hendrickson said it this way, the time and the manner in which God answers prayer is not determined by us. It's determined by God. This past Wednesday, in my Wednesday Word with Pastor Adam, I told the story of Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's the story of King Jehoshaphat. In that chapter, the Bible says that the Moabites, the Ammonites, they were approaching Judah and they were getting ready to launch war on Judah and King Jehoshaphat. But the Bible says Jehoshaphat set his face to seek the Lord. He called for a fast. He magnified the Lord in his prayer. He admitted to God that this was way too big for him to handle on his own. And friends, with great transparency, Jehoshaphat prayed to God in verse 12 of that chapter. He said, Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Friends, for just one moment, I'd like to share with you the diary of Pastor Adam with you for just a moment, if I may. I don't know about you, but this past week's just been hard. My heart, I know like many of yours, is burdened for a nation. It's burdened for a city, it's burdened for a world. This past week, I've actually found myself grieving, burdened, anxious, and there's been a couple nights I've just been up in tears. And just like Jehoshaphat, I found myself saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. And that's when the Lord reminded me of His Word. When the Lord reminded me of this story in First or Second Chronicles chapter twenty, because friends, the Bible teaches us what to do when we don't know what to do. The Bible teaches us to what to do when we don't know what to do. The Bible says we're to keep our eyes on the Lord and ask the Lord to direct our way. You know, friends, Jehoshaphat didn't know it. But Jehoshaphat had it right the whole time. It was God and God 
only who was the solution to all of his problems. And friends, it is God and God only that is the solution to all of ours. Every one of them. It is only God who can take a person who is walking in darkness and make them walk in light. It is only God who can take the, the spiritually dead and make them spiritually alive. It is only God who can take a person out of the mire and pick him up and put him on a rock. It is only God who can heal the sick. And I'm telling you, it is only the blood of Jesus that can tear down any dividing wall between any race. Friends, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So today, if you are anxious, if you are burdened, if you are dismayed, and if you don't know what to do, say to the Lord, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. God, would you give me direction? And friend, you're going to find the lesson that Jehoshaphat learned later in that chapter, and that is, the battle is not yours anyway. It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. When we don't know what to do, our eyes, oh God, are on you. Friends, the second part of Paul's prayer is his prayer for love. Look at verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. May your love abound. Here's the word picture behind abound. It means overflowing. Have you ever been thirsty at your house, went and got a cup out of the cabinet and you went maybe to the sink or over to the fridge to, to fill it up with water and as you're feel, filling your, your cup up, your, your mind gets lost and you do something else and you turn around and not only is your cup full but it's overflowing, water's pouring everywhere and kind of making a mess. That's the word picture behind abound. And right here in this text, Paul's not saying that water should abound. He's saying that love should abound. That love should fill you up and come out of you like uncontrollably abounding, overflowing in everything you do. Now, he says in this text that that, that abounding, overflowing love should go in at least two directions. It should kind of go in and go out. Look at it with me. First, he says it should go in. That means as the church, we are to look in and love each other well. You see it in the text. Verse 12 says, abound in love for what? For one another. That means everybody here, look around. Your love should be aimed towards everybody in this church. Friends, I want you to know at Redeemer, it, it did not take me long at Redeemer to know that this is such a caring, loving church. I have watched over the years and even over the past weeks, our deacons love people physically and with monetary needs. Through the mercy team, they do this thing all the time. I've watched our deacons or our elders spiritually love each other by shepherding them well. I've watched our care team come alongside people 
and love them well. I've watched people like Kathy Laws and Melissa Hines organize meals ministry. Uh, and I know that so many of you here have fixed meals for each other. I've seen Joanne DeBron and, and Olga reach out with prayer team needs, loving people well. I've seen her men's and women's ministry look internally and love people well. I've left out a lot of things, but it's hot. And you want me to get through this, so I'm going to keep going. Friends, this is a caring and loving congregation. I encourage you, keep it up. Love each other well this way, internally. But the text also says love outside. You see it in the text, verse 11. Abound in love for one another, that's inside, and then it goes outside, and for all, and for all, the world, love each other. That means that you and I are called to love people outside those who persecute us, those who might be our enemy, Jesus says. Think about what Paul did in Thessalonica. Listen, he did not have to go to Thessalonica. He could have just kicked back and relaxed, but he said, I'm going to go to Thessalonica, and I'm going to choose people who were pagans, who were idol worshipers, who were the very opposite of what I believe, and I'm going to go love them well. In fact, I'm going to go love them so much that I become like a father and a mother to them spiritually. And that's what he did, and people came to know Jesus through that. But we know, friends, that Paul did this because his model was who? Jesus. Jesus loved the world so well. God says that Jesus demonstrated his own love towards us in this, that while the world was sinners, Jesus came and died for the world. He loved us to the uttermost. Friends, (coughs) excuse me. This week, how can you love someone in this world? How can you love all? How can you be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world? Because I want to encourage you. Have the same mindset that Paul had. Have the same mindset that Jesus had. And may your love abound. May it overflow. Every time you put a drink in your refrigerator and you fill it up or in your sink, let it fill up maybe just for the sake of an illustration. Let it overflow and come over your hands and just feel that for a moment and think, is my love doing the same thing in my life internally and outside to the world? Love like Paul, love like Jesus, love. Third and finally, there's a prayer for holiness. Look at verse 13, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in what? Holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord with all his saints. Holiness. Have you ever read the book of Leviticus? You know, a lot of people start out January 1. I'm going to read the whole Bible. They get Genesis. Man, check. That was, that was a great read. Exodus. First half was pretty awesome. Second half, kind of rough, man. There's a lot of, lot of details there. And then you get to Leviticus, and you're like, oh, man, this is harder. Not, you know, it's not hitting my mind like Genesis did. And some people kind of quit when they get to Leviticus. So I want to encourage you, keep on keeping on. But let me boil it down for you right here. What's the theme of Leviticus? If you were to put Leviticus into one sentence, 
what would it be? Be holy because God is holy. Be holy, not because your pastor says to be holy or your mom and dad says to be holy. Be holy. Why? Because God is holy. Friends, did you know that in the New Testament, the Bible calls believers saints? What does saint mean? When you study the definition of the word saint, you know what it literally means? Holy. The saints are the holies. What that means is we are set apart unto God for a particular reason. What is that particular reason? The Bible says in Romans 8, it is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. To be holy. Set apart unto God to be conformed to the image of Christ. Did you know in the Sermon on the Mount, When Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, he is talking about a holy people. He is talking about a a Christian who is decisive. Not one who is having a foot in both worlds or straddling the fence. He's talking about decisiveness. He's talking about a person who says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's the person that Jesus is talking about. Friend, my prayer for you today is the same prayer that Paul prayed for these Thessalonians. I pray for you that God would establish your heart blameless in holiness, that he would give you the strength to do that by his grace, dear friend, as we conclude this morning. Thank you for your patience with this pastor. First of all, I know you're in the heat. Let's finish this morning. What can you take away from this? At least four things. Hey, Daryl, for me and you, here's what we can take away. For elders, this is what we can take away. This text teaches us how to pray for our congregation. Every single week we have something called a pastoral prayer. Right here is a model of the pastoral prayer. Let's not, as elders, forget that. Number two, friends, when you pray and God gives you one of those answers like change your plans, Or no. And you feel anxiety in your heart. And you feel fear in your heart. You feel dismayed in your mind. Remember that God tells us what to do when we don't know what to do. I encourage you, say to the Lord, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And God, I do what this prayer tells me to do. I ask you for direction. Would you direct my way, oh God? And friends, put your trust in the Lord and you're going to find what Jehoshaphat found. The battle's not yours anyway. The battle is the Lord's. Instead of spending all that time leaning on doubt, worry, fear, and anxiety, lean your heart on the Lordship of Jesus and let Him direct your life accordingly. Number three, I encourage you to be people of love. First of all, look in. I continue as I encourage you to continue as a member of this church. Look in to the needs of those who are with you today and do that with great passion. And I encourage you as you do that, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But I also encourage you to love outwardly. 
outwardly to a world that needs Jesus. Hey, Paul said, I'm going to go find a pagan and an idol worshiper, and I'm going to devote my life to ministering to that person because that is their greatest need, and I'm going to put their needs before my wants, and I'm going to go love them. I ask you a question this week. Who is God putting in your life that you can love well? You're going to have to love sacrificially. It's going to be uncomfortable. But God has called us to love that way. And then finally, dear friends, let us desire holiness in our lives. And be holy. Not because Pastor Adam says so. Not because the latest article you read says so. Be holy because God is holy. And the whole goal here is to be conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Say with Joshua, hey, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Friends, God wants a committed people. Ask the Lord today to make yourself more like Jesus every single day. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the weather, that it's not raining. We know it's hot, Lord, but thank you for getting us through this this morning. Thank you for the patience of these dear folks in front of me today. And I pray, God, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers. God, today, I pray for direction. I pray for direction for those in this congregation who are hurting and anxious and fearful. Lord, when we don't know what to do, may we confess that to you, and may we keep our eyes on you, asking you for direction, knowing that you are the one who's in charge of the battle. It's not us. I pray, Lord, for love. I pray that we would love inwardly towards each other, continue to do that, and that we would love outwardly, just as Paul loved these pagan people. And Lord, I pray for holiness, something that's not talked about a lot from the pulpits of churches these days, that we would be set apart unto Thee, dedicated to the purposes of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that we would be committed, decisive. And may we say together, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.